Well, we know it's a problem all over the United States, including in Alabama, but who's going to do anything about it? And that is the problem of sex trafficking um, and exploitation and all these other things. Um, we know it's a problem. We hear about it often. But today we're going to talk to someone who's actually doing something about it and really someone uh, who is the, the head of a ministry that is made up of lots of people who have made the decision to do something about it. We're going to be interviewing Carolyn Potter with The Well House. Um, and we're going to hear all about the Well House, the work they're doing. Here's some incredible stories of redemption in this faith-based community, uh, as well as just the subject of sex trafficking. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this year podcast. We've got an incredible episode, incredible guest, incredible ministry uh, that we're going to be talking about and talking with today, um, The Well House. Uh, it is a ministry in Birmingham that uh, provides residential therapeutic programs to female victims of human trafficking who have been sexually exploited. They offer medical, spiritual, mental, and emotional care. So it's an incredible ministry that helps people uh, who've gone through some of the hardest, most traumatic circumstances you could ever imagine as a human. We hear so much about it on the news. We hear about human trafficking and, and all the different abuses to, to children, adults, and everything else. Um, this is a ministry that started because someone wanted to do something about it. And so I'm really excited to have Carolyn Potter come on to talk about uh, the ministry that she runs, The Well House. And so we're going to jump into that. But before we do, uh, I always want to tell you guys, 1819 News uh, needs you, needs your help. We need you guys to become a member. You can go to 1819news.com, click the button there that says become a member. Memberships start as little as $5 a month. And with that, you will uh, receive merch uh, and also access to behind-the-scenes content uh, really good stuff we're producing uh, just about each and every week uh, to give you guys added value for supporting us financially. Uh, but more than anything, you'll be supporting nonprofit news, uh, independent journalism, uh, and really just helping us be the citizen journalists that are keeping our state moving in the right direction as we are pursuing a free and flourishing Alabama each and every week here. You guys get to help us do that. So uh, please sign up, 1819news.com, become a member, um, sign up to support us today. We will welcome you in. Carolyn, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to join us and tell us the story about your ministry. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. And um, I think one of the the reasons that we wanted to start 1819 News, um, there is plenty of political issues and corruption issues and all this stuff. And we always say we exist to inform, investigate, and celebrate. Inform and investigate is the primary bulk of what we do. Uh, but the celebrate is something that um, we we think is just as important. There's mm -hmm. so many incredible things going on in the state of Alabama from mm -hmm. a ministry perspective, business, entrepreneur, all kinds of different really good things that go on in our state, and they, mm -hmm. they often get overlooked. And so one of the things that we love to do is have um, people that doing the work mm -hmm. like you're doing come on and, and really celebrate the work that you guys are doing and, and hear your story. Yeah. And so um, the Well House, uh, as I kind of <clears throat> gave the, the, the mission statement as I read it on the website there, um, but me reading it on the website isn't the same thing as, as you coming in yeah. and, and sharing your heart. So yeah. tell us, um, we love story. Story form is, is, is our favorite thing. Tell us uh, a little bit of your story um, 
and the story of how the well house came about and how you kind of began to be the person that runs it. Okay. Well, um, long story. Um, first of all, I come from a background of working in advocacy for children who've been abused and neglected, um, through guardian ad litem and CASA, which is court appointed special advocates. And through those programs, um, began to learn about children being trafficked, usually by their families, which is, um, incredibly horrible to think about, but it does happen. And so uh, because of that, I um, reached out to the Well House and wanted a speaker for our state conference. And at that time, they did not have an executive director. And I ended up interviewing with the board chairperson and several um, there at the Well House. And within a week's time, I just knew that this was my next assignment. And that and, and that was eight and a half years ago. Uh, it has been an incredible journey. But of course, um, the Wellhouse was founded by a survivor of human trafficking, and for about three years, she spent time just on awareness and on letting people know what trafficking is and that it's happening in our state and um, you know all over the country actually. And but she had not yet experienced her own healing. And so for that reason, um, they were in need of an executive director. And this was in September of 2014. And I've been there since that time. We have a lot of wonderful, amazing partners. And um, we, we've just been privileged to see this ministry grow and to be able to serve um, over 600 ladies and now children who have been trafficked. Wow. So I think um, where I'd like to jump into, I think, is kind of more educational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see kind of movies that are, you know, make things really grandiose or whatever and, and hear different things. Mm-hmm. I really didn't begin to understand the the term trafficking because you hear prostitution, you hear trafficking, you hear yeah. sex slavery, you hear all the different mm-hmm. terms. Um, I got the privilege of interviewing uh, Centoya Brown oh, yes. in Nashville. I got to yes. go up and, and interview her and with her husband. Mm-hmm. And her story is incredible. Mm-hmm. Her book, Free Centoya, I highly recommend people yeah. reading it. I mean, it's just a it's just an amazing story of God's grace in mm-hmm. someone's life and using her life, you know, before she went to prison and that whole thing said, God, mm-hmm. if you get me out of here, I'm gonna spend the rest of my days yeah. letting people know about you and then also right. this talking about trafficking. And so I read her book and then I got to meet her and interview her and then hearing her kind of really break that down. So if you could maybe talk about um, just the general understanding of society of the difference between trafficking and prostitution Mm -hmm. and the ages and all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I'm glad you got to meet Centoya. We actually had her come for our um, fundraising luncheon last year. And of course it was very impactful. And then we invited her back for the state ended Alabama Human Trafficking Task Force um, Summit in January. So we've gotten to know her. And um, I think her story um, is very similar to what we see in, in terms of human trafficking. But all of those, you know, terms that you just mentioned are intertwined, you know, whether it be we want to call it prostitution or trafficking or exploitation. Um, there's relationships there. And as far as human trafficking, what we look for is, is this a person um, who's been controlled by someone else, who has been forced 
into selling themselves um, for some commodity, whether it be money or drugs or a place to live or, you know, just something where, where there's been force. And, of course, the law uses the term force, fraud, or coercion. Yeah. And um, we find with the ladies that we interview and that uh, eventually make their way to the well house that all of, all of those characteristics are present. And usually um, this began in childhood. Um, they were victim, victimized first as children. And because they were not protected and they were not helped during that time, that made them very vulnerable to a human trafficker, much like Centoya, someone yeah. who comes along and um, says, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to ever worry about anything again. And, it, and it's, you know, everyone's dream. Yeah. And then uh, that person, of course, has evil intent and eventually begins trafficking um, the victim. But I, as I share that story, actually, I, I told this story earlier today to a class that I was training. I recall um, a young lady who came to the Wall House, and she came from California and because we serve um, survivors from all over the country, not just Alabama. But um, this lady, she was, I guess she was about 19 when she got to the well house, and she had been recommended to come to us by the, um, I think, the prosecutors in her state who had prosecuted her trafficker. And so I one day I, I, I just had some time along with her, and I said, would you just tell me your story? Do you mind? And this was the second time she had come to the well house, she had come before, and then she came back, and she said, "Yeah, I was um, sexually assaulted by my stepfather. I was, um, you know, as a little girl, and he was arrested, and he was um, convicted because there was clear evidence, and he was put in prison." And she said, "But my mother blamed me," and and I remember her saying, "How could it have been my fault? I was just a little girl, yeah. and you know, he's an, he's an adult, and so." She began hanging out on the in her neighborhood, on the streets in her neighborhood. At that time, she was 11, 12 years old. And this trafficker, you know, was going around the neighborhood looking for his next victim, and he found her. And he enticed her with um, Hello Kitty items. And I don't know if you're old enough to remember those, but um, I remember when my children loved uh, things like that. And and then, you know, he he listened to her story, and he empathized with her. And then the next thing she knows, she is one of the many that he was trafficking. And so he um, eventually she escaped, and she was able to, um, to be rescued, actually, by law enforcement. And uh, he was arrested. She led them to the house where he was holding many women and girls. And... Um, so he was prosecuted, and he was sentenced to, I, I believe it was 27 years. You can Google him. I'll never forget this. His uh, street name was King Kong Pimp of Palmdale, California. And what really stands out, what I'll never forget, uh, besides the fact that she was just a lovely young lady and beautiful girl, is that he had branded her with his street name, King Kong, across her forehead, on both her arms and one, maybe both her legs. And so during the time that she was with us, we were able to get the majority of those brandings covered. And 
that helped to restore, you know, some self-esteem for her. So she no longer walked around as being owned by this person. But that's a that's a pretty typical story. And you have to wonder, okay, well, where was the mom? You know, why was she not in school? Well, you think back in that the mother blamed her. Mm. And so I, she never confirmed this, but I always speculated that the mom was a part of this and was getting paid by the trafficker. And so she didn't worry about her daughter going to school or, you know, having a good life. And, and this recently happened um, in Alabama. There was a sting in Montgomery. And I, I cannot recall how many girls were rescued, but two of them came to the wall house. And one had been sold by her mother to the trafficker when she was a teenager also. Mm. And so both the trafficker and the mother have been convicted and they're now in prison. So, And this young lady's doing great. Um, but he controlled his victims with drugs, with heroin primarily, and uh, and that happens. And so at the Wellhouse, we built the programming around five characteristics that are common to most people who come to the Wellhouse, and that is um, dealing with the childhood abuse, dealing with complex trauma, which is what happens when you're repeatedly traumatized day after day after day, and um, substance use. We have a recovery program. Uh, sometimes we need to send someone to intensive drug treatment because we don't have that, but we do yeah. have um, the therapy and other recovery classes for um, those who are dealing with drugs. And, and then there's always the need for life skills and uh, education. And so we provide all of that at the Well House. Wow. I think one of the biggest things for me when I read that book and have looked into this since, you know, a lot of times when we hear the term trafficking or something like mm -hmm. that, you think of like cages and kidnapping. Mm -hmm. And really what I've gathered is, is that it's extremely manipulative men who understand how women's desire for yes. provision and protection, which is built into mm -hmm. their DNA, it's yeah. built into a man's DNA to be a provider and a mm -hmm. protector. And it's built into a DNA right. of a woman to want to be provided for and protected. Mm -hmm. And they know how to psychologically take advantage of that desire um, and yeah. kind of put people under. And it's mm -hmm. not, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure there's the physical, you know, altercation aspect of it. But the the spiritual, social, and emotional mm -hmm. aspect of it is what really blew me away when I saw it. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's horrible. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's something that's hard to explain to people. Yeah. I remember when I first um, began this journey, you know, at the well house. I had worked with abused and neglected children. I'd seen, I thought, the worst that there was, but I don't know that there's anything worse than human trafficking, honestly. The the mind control, um, like you said, the just the 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 attacks on the soul yeah. of a person and the spirit. And so I remember being in board meetings and our board members, and, and we have very passionate, committed board members um, to this day, and they would ask me, you know, questions that I really couldn't answer. So I had to go and educate myself more. And what I learned was there, there definitely was what we call a trauma bond from this victim to the perpetrator. Yep. And, you know, whether it's um, the desire, you know, sometimes it's easier to stay in a situation and just deal with it and just live with it than it is to leave and actually deal with the pain and peel back those layers and get better. Yeah. Um, so that's what we were seeing a lot of. And it's much like domestic violence cycles yeah. where, um, you know, they leave, they go back, they leave, they go back until finally 
you know, hopefully before some, you know, they lose their lives, they decide to not go back. And, and sometimes um, the judicial system, the legal system is a part of that because maybe they've been arrested. And, you know, that's not really fair because here they have been forced to do certain things, you know, cr- criminally speaking. But we've had young ladies come to the well house because a judge looked at her and said, you have value. And I know that you need you can't overcome this. I know you've been a victim. I want you to go to the well house and I want you to stay there, you know, for at least a year. You know, usually that's the terms. And um, it's not that she always wants to be there, but it's amazing to watch the transformation as she begins buying into the programming and just realizing her worth. Um, mm. Sometimes they don't even realize that they have been victimized. Yeah. And then through therapy, um, it's just amazing when that it's kind of like a light goes off and they realize that they really tr- truly were victims and had little to no control in their situation. Mm. Are you guys a faith-based organization? Um, we're absolutely a Christian faith-based Amen. organization. Um, that's how the founder founded it. And as we've grown, uh, we've strengthened our bylaws in that area. And we um, just have an eternal perspective. Um, anyone who comes to the well house they know before they get there, and of course they have that choice. You know, they know that we are Christian, and they don't have to be. They don't have to be a believer. They don't have to have faith. Um, but it is really amazing to watch these women and now young girls as they embrace faith. Mm. And often I look at them and, bl- and believe that their faith is stronger than mine, and that they they might value. Um, their walk with God more than I do at times because, you know, they, they have just come through so much and that they are amazed that God loves them and that there's still hope for their lives. But um, those transformations are, I mean, there, there aren't words to describe that, but we mm-hmm. see it. We see it all the time, much like with Centoya. Yeah. Um, we are, we are privileged to see that. Yep. Yeah. And, um, my background, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I actually got saved in prison. I'm not going to go through I the whole thing here. That. Yeah. So I was facing a lot of time in prison for things that I was absolutely guilty of all involving drugs and yeah. <clears throat> things like that. Um, but I got saved in prison. Um, yeah. And so I've yeah. seen how Christ can work <clears throat> in the darkest of situations yeah. and really yeah. restore and revive. And um, yeah. it's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the faith-based aspect of things, I, Something I see often is government trying to do things that the church is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that the government, you know, mm-hmm. sees a problem, you know, I, but mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah. I mean, the government has a job and when the government does its job, that's what it does. But it's it's ultimately, I believe, people of faith that are supposed to step up and, yeah. and handle these situations. Yeah. And so uh, that's really encouraging. Yeah. No, I, I think you're a hundred percent correct about that. And, um, I thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's encouraging, um, and we we know that when there's good, there's also evil. And so sometimes um, we're just walking along, doing what God's called us to do there at the Well House, and just an unbelievable attack will happen. And it's come to the point where we're just shake our heads and go, "Oh yeah, well we must be doing what we're supposed to be doing," yeah. because these attacks are are never ending and. Um, but, you know, God certainly has blessed and 
we can, you know, if you come out to the campus, you drive onto that property and can just feel the peace. Mm. And um, it's a place of, of safety and a place where lives can be rebuilt for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, Oh, I wanted to also say before yeah. I lose the thought, I'm sorry yeah, yeah, to interrupt no, that you there. That happens to me all the time. Go for <laughs> me it. Me too. More and more. <laughs> um, but uh, we have such fabulous church support. Yeah. You know, small churches that send us consistently twenty five dollars a month, all the way up to churches that send you know much more than that, and they volunteer. Yeah. They send groups to cut the grass to put mulch on the grounds. Um, uh, they. Um, we're able to recruit mentors for our ladies in our long-term program and uh, they transport. And so I honestly would not want to have to run this organization without the support of the churches that have, have been supporting us for some more recently and some for many years. I bet they see what you're doing, that you've given them an opportunity. They provided you service, yeah. But they're looking at you like, thank yeah. you for providing me the opportunity yeah. to serve. Yeah. And that's where that's why the church is that sphere that gets to yeah. do and, and was made to do this work is because right. it's a blessing to people to be able to be a part. And it's also a blessing yeah. to those who receive um, the service. So that's really cool. Um, so um, I remember I bumped into you the first time we met was at a, an event with Alliance Defending Freedom mm-hmm. and um, I had mentioned Big Oak Ranch and some stuff you guys, because as I'm sitting here listening to the story, I'm like, I had John Croyle sitting right there, you know, about mm-hmm. a month ago telling the story of Big Oak Ranch and the mm-hmm. similarities and stuff. Can you talk about what you guys are doing with them or is that? Yeah. yeah? Um, so when I first started, our our board chairman suggested that I meet with John and, um, you know, just get to know him and understand how they operate. And, and I did. I mean, and that was also a privilege to be able to learn from someone who had been doing this for so, so long because residential living is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like someone comes to a counseling office, they get therapy, they leave. We're, we literally live with our clients. Yeah. Um, we call them residents or survivors. And so um, John gave me, gave me a lot and um, shared a lot with me. And so Right now, we have been talking with Big Oak about the possibility of when our um, our youth in the new children's program are ready to leave us, could they possibly exit into their program because mm. they have this home-like setting? Mm. And we've realized that with our um, with our youth, that we're we're more of a crisis. Uh, program than anything because they, the, these young ladies are in absolute crisis when they first get to us. Many of them have come straight from the trafficking situation. Unlike the adults, some of them have been out of it for a while. And so we've been talking with them about that and just hoping that we can can uh, form that partnership so that, in fact, we have two sisters right now at the Well House who were referred to us by Big Oak Ranch. When they realized that there was trafficking involved, then they sent them to us. And and what our hope is, is that after they've been with us, you know, for about a year, that we can then send them back to Big Oak and they can finish out with them. Because, you know, some of, some of these kids do have homes to go back to, um, but many of them don't. Yeah. And so we're, we're seeking solutions and um, yeah, we, we just, we think the world of yeah. Big Oak Ranch. Amen. I do as well. I've gotten yeah. to know them really well and, um, have just been blessed to, to see what they do. And yeah. interestingly enough, my mentor that taught me about media is a gentleman named Lee Habib. 
And he actually got saved through meeting John Croyle wow. and seeing the Big Oak Ranch was yeah. a huge part of his faith journey. So yeah. <clears throat> crazy yeah. how ripple effects, you yes. know, can, can yeah. go down the line. I mean, it's just people. God connections. Yeah, all and, over. Yeah. That's good. Um, if you can, uh, and I don't know um, what the details would be, talk about um, the the treatment or so they go yeah. there. Um, what what are and maybe some of the success stories and, and things like yeah. that. Yeah. As far as treatment, like I said, we, we built the programming around um, treating their childhood abuse through our therapy program as well as their trauma. And then the substance use and then life skills, of course, in education. And so when someone first comes to the well house after they've been, we, we still call it rescue. I yeah. think um, the better word in the human trafficking world right now is recovery. And um, But we have a, um, a trauma therapist who will do a um, battery of assessments. And from that, we can build a treatment plan along with the case management folks and we can can take those assessments, and as she progresses through the program, we can measure her her progress, and we can see, hey, maybe we missed something here. We need to go back to this, or boy, she's really overcome this area, and so now we can go on um, to this area. And so the goal is to make it all person centered because everybody's story is a little different, even mm-hmm. though it involves trafficking, and you know, some have children. And we, we've seen mothers be able to, to get regain custody of their children or even just to have a relationship with their children that they thought they would never see them again or they had no hope of having you know those relationships. That was, that's a huge, huge win. As far as substance use, um, we, we have AA meetings there on our campus, and we also go to celebrate recovery. You know, that's, that's been great, been yeah. fabulous. And, and in fact, there's, an, there's like an AA model of Celebrate Recovery, like the 12 steps that a local church does. And so we participate in that. We have a therapist who comes out and does um, group counseling on substance recovery. And she will also do individual therapy if we need that. And... Um, Life skills, you know, that's uh, we have a number of Bible studies, and I tell everyone our Bible studies are life skills classes because they're teaching us how to do relationships yeah. and, um, you know, just, just a number of different things that you can get from the Bible because all truth is God's truth. Amen. Um, we have equine therapy, and that's a partnership with King's Ranch, King's Home. Um, they actually provide yeah. the um, therapy, and we go down there and it's free, and um, they become a great partner as well. We have art therapy. Um, we have this fabulous work therapy program. It's called Shopwell. And if you go to our website, you'll see all the different items that the ladies have made. And they we're, we actually hire them. They're like temporary seasonal employees. And they're learning just on-the-job skills. And our goal is to, to move this to a place where everyone can work there on the campus until they're actually ready to go back out into the world and or maybe some for the first time and and I'm continually pushing education yeah. you know let's while you're here take advantage of it you can you know get your GED you can get a, um, a certificate of some type or you can go to college and then after you graduate that one year treatment phase of the program, you can then move into our transitional living apartments, which are there on our campus. They're amazing, beautiful, and continue college. Uh, you can continue to work, um, 
many of the ladies get a car, get their driver's license back, maybe for the first time ever or in years. And then the the goal there is that they're transitioning to independence. Yep. And then this whole time we have a, a trained mentor who's walking with them and who we hope will stay, you know, their friend for life. And of course, we're continuing to provide the therapy and the case management. And then, you know, now we have a partnership with an organization called Empower Her Network. And once they graduate from the wellhouse, whether they live in our apartments or they move away, move elsewhere, um, Empower will continue to work with them on their goals, whether it be financial, education, um, getting a house, you know, just whatever their goals might might be. So that's another aftercare after the care that they get at the wellhouse. Is that Empower here in Birmingham? Is no, you're one? thinking about Empower, which provides the G- they provide. That Empower provides our GED classes, okay. and their M, literally the letter yeah. M, power. Yeah. This is na- a national network, okay. and um, they do not have an advocate yet in Alabama. Our advocates are in Florida and Georgia, but once we're able to refer 10 people to them, they'll hire an advocate for Alabama, okay. and so that's been great. But you ask about success stories. There's so, so many, and of course, it depends on how you measure success. We had a young lady come, and she said, this is a long time ago. This is like in the beginning years, and she said, I want to be a truck driver, and I said, no, oh, but trafficking happens at truck stops. It's just, nope, I've never been trafficked at a truck stop. My trafficking happened in the hands of a Methodist minister. Mm. And she said, and you make me go to a Methodist church every Sunday. <laughs> I said, well, but you love it, right? Yeah. She goes, yes, I love it. So through that church, she learned you know, that not every minister, not every Christian is bad. And, yeah. But she, she did it. She yeah. became a truck driver and uh, got her CDL license. She now has her own truck after having worked for a company. We follow her on social media as she travels all over the country, and she's been able to rebuild her relationship with three children and is just doing fabulous. We had one young lady who wanted to join the Navy while she was with us, and she did. Uh, we were able to help mentor her and train her while she was at the wellhouse and uh, went into the Navy, did great. She did four years. Um, she's out now, doing well. Um, there are just so, so many stories like that. And we actually wrote a book um, last year. It's called She is Safe, and it's 12 stories told by the survivors in their own words. And uh, there's a pattern for every one of them. Um, they were abused as children ended up in trafficking, usually ended up involved in drugs or some type of substance use, and some went to jail, some didn't, um, came to the wellhouse, found Christ, and they're they're living a really good life right now. Amen. How does it affect relationships? Like, do they go on, how many go on to get married and families? Um, or yeah, is it, yeah, yeah, not... Not as many as you would think, yeah. um, but we had a young lady who came to the to the states, and I don't know the situation of how she got here, but she was from China and she was in uh, Las Vegas actually. And one of her buyers, not her trafficker, but one of her buyers, brought her to Birmingham, and they were both arrested. And she sat in the Jefferson County Jail for about fifteen months. Um, she had she had hired a lawyer, and I don't know how she did that, but at any rate, she hired an attorney. She said, I, I never could get anywhere, and then she got a public defender, 
And it just so happened that our person who was doing our intake calls at the time had worked in the public defender's office. And so during her downtime, she would just go to the jail. Why not? And uh, she, she met this young lady and learned of her story. We got Homeland Security involved and were able to get her out of jail, get the charges dropped. Mm. And um, she went through the Wellhouse program. She went back to, I believe she went back to California to take care of some legal issues, came back to Alabama. She had been working at Walmart, a local Walmart. They saved her job for her. Um, She's still working there, and she recently got married and um, to a good old Alabama guy, and and is doing doing great. Um, Another young lady um, had been at the Wall House, gosh, in the early days, and um, had left and had come back and um, was working with us and then left the program again, actually left the job, left the program during COVID, and got married and um, has a new baby and has her other children with her now, and and she's doing great. So, yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Imagine that would be difficult. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I guess last question, and then we can close. What, um, how many, and I guess it doesn't necessarily be, it need to be a, a quantity as in a real number, but I mean, mm-hmm. how prevalent do you think it is like Centoya who was 14 or 16? I can't remember yeah. the exact age when she was sentenced, you know, for murder and basically given life in prison. She was mm-hmm. never going to get out when she basically killed someone that was, mm-hmm. you know, trying to have sex with her for money. And, you know, she kills that person. And she ends up going to prison. How, what do you think the prevalence of women who are in prison for prostitution or something like this, mm-hmm. that, that it's really actually kind of by our new understanding is more trafficking than it is? Um, probably about 70, 30, you yeah. know, 70% trafficking, 30% um, not trafficking. But even as I say that, what I want to say is that going back to the childhood victimization, that's I, I guarantee you everyone who's been labeled a prostitute and who sold themselves, you can trace it back to that childhood abuse. And yeah. as a matter of fact, and this is, you know, this is my opinion, um, I feel like our our jails and our prisons are filled with people who are struggling with mental illness, that they have self-medicated with drugs, and also the trafficking issue. And um, I think we, we lose a lot of opportunities when we don't, when we're not building ministries around those folks. Well, hopefully the awareness can get out there and yeah. things can start making changes. I'm encouraged to see the changes that have come, but as so many yeah. other things, there's yeah. so much... Yeah, so much for more um, ground to gain. There's a lot of work to do still. Um, we're never at a loss for survivors or victims. And, um, you know, my mind always goes to who else is out there yeah. that needs to get to us. And that's our goal. Amen. Yeah. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for taking the time to come see us and share the story. Um, yeah. We'll try and remember to put that in the show notes. You said She is Safe is the name mm-hmm. of the book. Yep. She is Safe is the name of the book. If you guys want to read that and learn more. Uh, where can they find you as far as website yeah, yeah. and all that? So um, we have a great website. It's uh, the-wellhouse.org. And there's our, our shop while items are there. The book, you can buy the book on Amazon as well. And and just um, stories. There are lots of stories on our website, on the blog there, as well as um, our process. Um, can, how can they support you? Yeah, many, many ways. Um, we love our volunteers. There's just... M- People teach life skills classes. 
they mentor, they transport, they house sit, they do just a number of help with the the care of the property. We're on 63 acres and um, five buildings and a beautiful chapel. So they can they can help in those practical ways. And of course, you know, giving um, online, you can give online as well. At the wellhouse, um, the, mm-hmm. the dash wellhouse.org. Yes, .org. Don't forget that dash. And, <laughs> um, you know, just spread the awareness. And if your church or civic group would like to hear more about it, give us a call. We have, you know, plenty of people would like to come out and share about human trafficking in the wellhouse. Amen. So. Well, good stuff. Thank you for your time, Karen. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for this week. Again, please go to 1819news.com, become a member. Do that today. Support the work we're doing uh, on your behalf. And as always, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry.